Hi everyone, tonight's Bible reading comes from James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is the word of the Lord. Double tap. Hi. Charlie asked me to share how I read my Bible. Um, so for me, I have to get up early in the morning um, because I want to put God at the start of my day um, and that way I can dedicate my day to him and I ask him how this day can be best leveraged for him. Um, so it's pretty cold at the, at the moment, so I get the biggest, shaggiest um, dressing gown from my um, wardrobe and put my Ugg boots on and then I get a big blanket and I go into my quiet place, um, which is um, my closet. And there I don't have any distractions and there's no noise. Um, sometimes, though, I'm, I get a bit distracted with things that are going on through my day and I'll just write them down so that I can make sure that I'm listening to the word as I read it. And then I pray and um, ask the Holy Spirit to come and teach me and give me understanding. And then at the moment, I, I'm reading through the, um, a, book, a book in the Bible, and I like to read through books in the Bible rather than just hopscotching around. And I read the passage, um, and one of the ways I find really helpful is to write it out word for word. Um, because sometimes we get a bit immune to reading the Bible, um, and we just skip over it and um, so sometimes when I write it out, things, sentences will jump out at me, or words or phrases. Um, so something like, uh, something that I haven't seen before. And then I also highlight important points um, in things that I don't quite understand. And I also use a translation Bible that has, um, it uses eight different translations. So if there's a, something that I'm stuck on, I might, might go and have a little read of the different translations so I can get the general gist of it. Um, okay, and at the end, I write down what spoke to me. What has God spoken to me about? And I assess myself, is there something that God is convicting me about? And then how can I apply this? And throughout my day, I try to think about what I've read that morning and um, as I'm driving to work as well, I'll think about that and see if I can apply that in some way to my day. Um, and at the end of that, um, sorry, at the end of my um, reading of my Bible, I make sure I pray and ask for forgiveness if there's something that God has spoken to me about that I need to change. Thank you. No, I don't. Give it to Charlie. Yep. <clears throat> uh, please excuse my voice this evening. I got this from my daughter and my granddaughter from last week. My daughter has had it for, I don't know, two months or something like that. 
Excuse me. So I'm, I wasn't intending on hanging around too much tonight, and instead of shaking hands, <clears throat> we'll just do a fist punch if you want to do that. That's what I was doing this morning. Um, and I'll say this now in case I don't get a chance later on. Are you doing that, or am I? I am. There's a question box down there. Is that it? If you have a question, you can ask any question you like on the Bible or about the Bible. And there's, just, there's about half a dozen, eight, something like that now that we have. And the plan is next Sunday night, we're going to answer those. We're going to have a panel of people at the front. And uh, we'll answer those questions specifically. And there'll even be an opportunity, perhaps, for, um, for other questions. So maybe one way of doing that is bring your phone. You can send, the, send those to a, a mobile number or, or however we're going to do it. Um, so I encourage you to do that. Some of those questions are, in, are good questions, very interesting, and some of them will require a fair bit of, far more time than we will be able to give it next week, but we might put that in the future seminar or another location. Uh, for instance, one of the questions is about the canon. <clears throat> and the canon, for those who are not aware, is uh, how did we come to select the books that are in the Bible and other books are not in the Bible, which are from the first century or whatever, uh, between the Testaments? So that could be a whole series of several talks, and we're going to answer that in uh, 90 seconds, I think, next week. Yeah, what, whatever the time frame is. <clears throat> um, and excuse my absence for the last, uh, whatever it was, six months. Um, have we acknowledged Heather and your... Oh, Heather Batten has been doing some extra study, and she has now finished that, and her official title now is Doctor. Heather, but we've done that? No. Oh, we just did. Congratulations to Heather. <coughs> what a shame that someone so smart is wearing a Lions Guernsey tonight. <laughs> yeah, go the pussycats. The other thing I wanted to say is, just as a resource, there are lots of resources, obviously, and I just brought this one along tonight. This is by a guy called Warren Weasby, whom... Pastor David often quotes, he's written, I don't know, 52 volumes of commentaries on the scriptures. He's a very well-read, um, incredible author who writes often at the devotional level, and this one is at the devotional level. The thing I like about this is he just simply goes through the Bible and he'll give you uh, his devotional thought or insight into that chapter. So it's not just on a verse, it's an outline. He'll often have three or four application points out of the scriptures. I go to that um, as a backup for me. There are times when I read the Bible and I get to the end of it and I go, what was that about? You know, I don't get anything out of it and I, I've looked at the passage carefully, I've analysed it and I've thought, well, so what? Um, I'm in two kings at the moment and sometimes I'm struggling to go, well, what does that mean for me? And I go to him on those sorts of occasions and he gives me sometimes some insight. Um, not always, but it's one of those helpful resources. There's also a Bible called the Life Application Bible because tonight we are talking about application. If you haven't seen it, <clears throat> I don't use it uh, and I try not to use study Bibles, but that's acknowledging my own weaknesses that uh, it short circuits the process for me that if you have notes on your Bible and your text study Bible or a life application Bible. Um, often when you read it, you go, oh, what does that mean? And you go straight down to what they say it means. And I don't find that helpful. 
Many, many other people do, and that's fine. So you've got to find what works for you. And there is one that I do commend to you, the Life Application Study Bible. And it, like, is named that because it doesn't have study notes as much as it has application notes. What does this mean for how to live in the 21st century? So, and it's in a multitude of different versions. So tonight we are going to be looking at... Um, application. We looked at it over the last few weeks, observation, interpretation, and tonight application. I'm going to pray and then see how long my voice lasts. Let's pray. Thanks, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity again for us together to read your word and to think about your word and how it uh, is to impact us, how it applies to us. We ask, Lord, tonight that you would, by your Holy Spirit, enlighten us, teach us, move and prompt us, and help us, like the passage says in James, not to be hearers only, but to be doers of your word. So teach us, Lord, and enable us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. In observation, you would have learnt about, you have to look at the, the passage of Scripture very carefully. You are observing what's in the text and looking for the flow of the argument and everything else. It's what do you see? The who, what, when, where, why, how, which, all of those questions. And then it's a matter of, then of last week, interpretation. What does that mean? What did it mean back then? And what does it mean now? And then on the basis of correct interpretation comes this most important step, because at the end of the day, reading the Bible is all about this. It's all about application. What am I to do? What am I to be? What am I to change? What have I got to start or what have I got to stop in my life? What am I to do? It affects my head, my heart, and it comes my hands, my actions, my thinking, my choosing and willing and feeling and responding to as well as the things that I am doing. And how will I do it? Not just acknowledging, oh, I need to love people because the command is that we love one another, but how am I going to do that? It's thinking that through, and we'll jump through some of these in a moment. Um, I have to double tap this. I just did, Josh, and it didn't work. <clears throat> Application. No, I just think about that. Why was the scripture given? Uh, the scripture was not given to us and for us to impress others with. It's not given to us to be fact gatherers or quiz masters. Though some people, I had a friend many, many years, decades ago now, who was very good on Bible trivia, but who was not very disciplined in Bible reading or in studying theology and topics, but he, he knew the Bible, he knew lots of things about the Bible, for instance, just to waste 30 seconds, <coughs> who's the shortest man in the Bible? Not Nehemiah. Not Zacchaeus. Nor is it Bildad the shoe height. There is a man who slept on his watch. This is stimulating stuff, isn't it? Did you know tennis is mentioned in the Bible? Oh, <laughs> expose yourself, you little Pharisee. <clears throat> Who was the greatest actor with the greatest press coverage? You know, but you're not going to say anymore. <laughs> Do you know? The greatest actor in the Bible with the greatest press coverage was Samson. He was given two columns and he brought the house down. 
Um, the first drug addict. I don't know that one. <laughs> Whereas cannibalism will be doing this all night. <coughs> Whereas cannibalism first mentioned in the Bible. Two Kings oh. I always two Corinthians ate one, but two Kings ate one is before it. That's right. <laughs> I'm learning stuff, Josh. This is interesting. We're getting closer all the time, bud. <laughs> Where is the first automobile mentioned? You, yeah, you know it though. Go on. Go on. No, that's the first motorcycle. Yeah. All the brothers, were, all of the people were together in one accord. <laughs> Bible's not given for that. <laughs> Nor is it given for us to be fact gatherers. I went looking for this quote. I've been looking at it for ages and I, I just can't remember where I read it. And I've looked and looked. And if you know, just remind me where it is. I've even tried searching for it on Google. That's how desperate I got. <clears throat> but I haven't been able to find it. The story is, I thought it was Count Tischendorf, but it's not him. It's somebody else. Someone with a very famous name who spent years and years in prison. The only book he had to read was a Bible. When he, was, he was there for decades. And when he died, they found scribbled over all of the walls were text and facts about the Bible. Longest chapter in the Bible? Psalm 119. Shortest chapter in the Bible? Psalm 117. Middle verse in the Bible? Psalm 118, verse 25. Shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept, John 11:35. It's stimulating facts, isn't it? And he even had up there the Bible, which had the most, has all of the letters of the English alphabet in it. There is one verse in Ezra that does that, 721, I think. Can't remember. Um, but it doesn't have the letter J. It's the only letter that is missing from that verse. The Bible's not given for that. How many books in the Old Testament? 39. How many in the, 20, in the New Testament? 27. How many in the Bible? 66. How many chapters in the Bible? 1,189. Are you impressed? Yes. You shouldn't be. <laughs> it's not important. You don't know how many words in the Bible. Depends on which version, really, doesn't it? Why was the Bible given? Well, here we go. The Bible was given. Here are eight reasons. These are Bible verses. Write them down. I'm sorry I didn't get to put them on the screen, but I did this PowerPoint at 6 o'clock tonight, so I didn't have time. Romans 15 verse 4, the Bible was given for our learning that through the scriptures we might have comfort and hope. That's why it was given. 1 Corinthians 10 verses 6 and 11, the Bible was, these are written that they were an example for us, Old Testament stories, an example for us. John 20 verse 31, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you might have life in his name. Joshua 1.8 be careful to do all of these things that you might be prosperous and successful, that God might bless your life. Proverbs 4.20 talks about life and healing. Psalm 119 verse 11 talks about so that we won't sin against God. 2 Timothy 3.15-17 is probably the clearest and the best. The Bible is given to make us wise for salvation, to teach us, to reprove us, to correct us and to train us in righteousness. The Bible is given. 
um, to help us to grow, to become more like the Lord Jesus. The scriptures reveal to us who God is, what he is like as a person, what he, how he works in the world and what his plans are. But he hasn't told us everything. Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 says, the things that have been revealed belong to us and to our children. God has told us these things. But the things that have not been revealed belong to the Lord our God. He hasn't told us everything. But he's told us a lot and he's told us enough on how we can live and how we can be right with him. The Bible tells us about ourselves, our sin and our need of salvation. The Bible certainly talks about the Lord Jesus. In fact, all of the scripture points to him, that he becomes a central point of it. And so when we read the scriptures, we should be looking for him, not twisting the scriptures to make it creative and inventive, but listening intently to find where he is um, pictured, where he is uh, presented for us and um, portrayed to us in a very attractive way that we might be drawn to him. That's why the Bible is given. Obviously, not everything in the Bible applies equally. You can be reading parts of the scriptures. There's one in uh, Deuteronomy 23 where it talks about if the oxen is out, don't um, muzzle the oxen that is treading the grain. What does that mean? Anybody here got an oxen? No application for us then. And there are lots of passages like that in the scriptures, but on that one, interestingly, if you go to 1 Corinthians 9, you'll find the Apostle Paul applies that very scripture. Because it's not something that applies directly, but it's something that gives us a principle. And the Apostle Paul has an insight into what the principle is. Don't muzzle the ox while it's working. That a labourer is worthy of their wages or worthy of their reward. And he applies that to Christian workers in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So sometimes the Bible applies in terms of generally, in terms of a principle. Other times it's very specific and it's very direct and it'll give us a specific command. Let me see if this is going to work. <clears throat> what happens, what does the Bible teach us or te uh, teach us if we don't apply the scriptures? And then what happens if, what does the Bible say about when we do apply the scriptures? Well, here are a couple of verses. When we don't apply the scriptures, it's like 1 John chapter 2, verse 4. John says, people who say, I know him, I know God, but do not keep his commands. They haven't applied it. They don't keep the commands. They're a liar and the truth is not in them. This is the danger of just reading the Bible, but not applying it to our life. We'll come to our passage in a moment. In Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9, Jesus complains, quoting the prophet Isaiah. He says, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's all about talk. They just say the right thing, but it's not impacting them. It's not changing their hearts, not changing their lives. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and tw to 23, the Lord Jesus gives a warning. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my heavenly father reading the bible is important but merely reading the bible is dangerous you are deceiving yourself and that doesn't please god what pleases god is our obedience the application of his word to our life and our submission to it the lord jesus says why do you call me lord lord and not do what i say well, that's what the scripture warns us about, and there are many others, but that's a selection for 
uh, without application. Well, what about with application? Well, if you apply, the, take the effort and the time and the energy to apply the scriptures and to obey the scriptures, then Romans 8.29, you will be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. You will become increasingly like him. I want to talk about that tonight. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3, it talks about how you'll be taught, you'll be corrected, your thinking will be altered, and your life will be trained and equipped. You'll become a better, stronger person, a follower of the Lord Jesus. In James chapter 1, verse 25, it says, you'll be blessed. And in John 14, the Lord Jesus says, <clears throat> if you apply the scriptures to your life, if you have my word and you keep it, you do it, then you'll experience an encounter with God. He who loves me will keep my commandments, and he who keeps my commandments will be loved by my Father, and we will come to them, and we, I will reveal myself to them. That's what Jesus says. You have my words, you keep it. And if you love me and keep my commandments, then God the Father and God the Son will come to you in a, in a way, a special way, where he will reveal himself, his person, his love for you. So the Bible has great potential to bless us. So let's look at what James says in James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, the passage that Kelly read to us. He talks about, James talks about... Um, the danger of only listening, merely hearing, merely listening to the scriptures. If you listen only, you read the Bible only, or you listen to the sermon only, and you have no intentions of doing anything about it, then James says, you're deceiving yourself. But if you do it, and then he gives this picture, a comparison. <clears throat> it's like a person who looks in the mirror, and they see their face, and they've got some mark on it or dirt on it or something like that, or their hair's not done right. They look, but through busyness, distraction or whatever, they don't act on what they have seen. They get taken away. This casual observation, this casual looking has very sad consequences. And James points out to us those consequences are you'll be deceived. It's looking but not seeing. You'll forget. It's reading but not observing. It's hearing but not acting. That's the danger, the sad consequences of looking at the scriptures, reading them, but not applying. We need to observe, we need to interpret. You've got to do that. That's what application is built on. You can't avoid that. But we have to get to the application. We have to obey. We have to do what the scripture is saying. Otherwise, we're like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he said, what have I got to do to have eternal life? Well, do this. Give away everything that you've got. You know, keep the commandments, done it. Give away everything you've got. And he was sad. He walked away. He wasn't prepared to do what the Lord was saying, this is what you need to do. That's what it's like to read the scriptures and not do it. On the other hand, James gives this in one verse, verse 25, the blessings of careful obedience. James says these four things about it. He says, but... If you look intently into the mirror, is the analogy, but if you look intently into the scripture, if you continue to do this, it becomes a habit. You will, don't forget what you see, but you do it, then you'll be blessed in what you do. The blessings of careful obedience is to observe 
and to continue to apply and do in your life, you'll receive God's blessing. Here are four quick verses. Psalm 19 verse 11 says that uh, by God's word, by them, your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Psalm 119 verse 2. Blessed are those who keep your decrees, who seek God with all their hearts. Blessed are those who keep his decrees. Or Luke 11:28. A woman in the crowd one day sang out to Jesus. <clears throat> she was listening to him and she was impressed with him. And she thought, man, what a mother you must have had. And she yells out, blessed is the woman who gave birth to you. And Jesus turned and said to the crowd, to her but to the crowd, blessed rather are those who have the word of God and obey it. Luke eleven twenty eight, And then finally, John 13, 17, the Lord Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's all the way, it's a theme through the scripture, isn't it? Blessing is linked with obedience, and that's exactly what James says, that we'll be blessed in what we are doing. You know as well as I do that there is a difference between reading a menu and enjoying a meal. Isn't there? Getting a prescription and taking the medicine, reading the Bible, and actually growing in grace through the application of Scripture to our life. Well, how do we do it? Well, here we go. Sorry, double tap. <gasps> Can't wait till I get to that slide. <laughs> How do I go backwards, Josh? Besides going like this. Thanks. No. Stop. Thank you. The four P's of application. <clears throat> when we read the scriptures, you've observed it written down your questions, made observations about the text, asked questions about, then you've interpreted what did it mean then and what does it mean now for me? And on the basis of that, what does it mean for me? What am I to do and how am I going to do it? It needs to be personal. We're talking about me. Don't read the Bible for other people. There is value in doing that. Preachers do that all the time. <clears throat> but we need to read the Bible for ourselves. So it's got to be personal. What does the how does the text apply to me? What is God's word saying that I should do? It's about I statements. It's about me, mine, here. Of course, there is a place, Colossians 3.16 says, that we are to teach and admonish one another with God's word. There is a place for that of sharing, teaching. But this application, when we're reading the Bible, it's about us. What is it saying to me? Secondly, not only personal, needs to be precise. Be specific. When you've read something, plan a course of action and how you're going to implement it, and then do it immediately. Do it as soon as you possibly can. Do not delay. Don't put it off. And we'll come to why in a second. Be practical. How do I propose to make these changes in my life? What am I going to do? It? And be progressive. I just wanted them all to rhyme, to, to piece to rhyme together. Sorry. But it really means, when am I going to do it, and how am I going to follow this up? That's what I mean by progressive. For me, what I do is when I read my Bible, <clears throat> I have a journal, and I often just summarise chapters, and out of that, draw diagrams and pictures, and out of that, God speaks to me, highlights certain texts or verses or ideas, and it's out of that that comes my application, and I write that in my journal. And I try to, uh, every time I read my Bible, I write. And then once a month, on the last Wednesday of the month is my scheduled calendar day, 
I take a retreat day, spiritual retreat day. And one of the things I do on that last day of each month is I reread my journal for that month. What has God been saying to me through this month? And what have I written down here? Am I doing it? And last time I had a, a spiritual retreat, I discovered that God had said something to me at the beginning of the month that I wanted to commit myself to doing. And I was gung-ho and I wanted to do it every day. And I missed it. I failed in it. So then I, my evaluation was, okay, I need to do this. I'm not going to do it every day. So one day a week, I'm going to try and do this. And then I'm going to try and step it forward. And it was about my prayer life. It was about me uh, improving, developing my prayer life. So progressive, how are you going to do it? It's also helpful to be accountable. Tell someone in your connect group, in your accountability group, a close spiritual partner, tell someone, this is what God has said to me and this is what I'm going to do about it. So they'll come back and ask you, how's that going? We had a group of young adults who asked me and the pastors and the pastoral team way back in the beginning of the year about their concern about discipleship in our church. And they wrote us a letter and I had one of those young adults come to me today saying, so how's it going? I said, well, we've been doing a lot of talking. And I said, just recently we've decided to do this and we're developing a spiritual pathway. And I dumped Jeff's name in the middle of all of that. And I said, come back to me in a month. And I said, in a month I'll be able to tell you that we still haven't done anything, but we're still talking about it. And so he's going to do that. <clears throat> and I hope in a month, certainly, that we will have implemented a plan that all of the pastors at the moment are quite excited about. I'm not sure where time is, but I'll keep going. Space pets. I got this from Rick Warren. Rick Warren got it from somebody else. Have you heard of this? You familiar with it? <clears throat> Space pets is this acrostic which stands for all of these different things. When you read the chapter, I don't do it. I, I find it too mechanical. Um, but uh, I do bits of it. If you follow the letters going across, the S stands for sin. When I read the passage, does the passage talk about any sin that I am to avoid or confess or repent of? Sin. P stands for promise. Is there a promise there for me to claim? Is there a promise that God gives and where he says, if I, we do this, then he'll do that? Is there a promise? A stands for either attitude or action. Is there something the passage says that we are to be doing or an attitude that we are to be developing? C stands for guess. Good try. No. Nope. Command. Is there a command here for me to do? E stands for example, not eggs. Excel. <laughs> trying to give you a clue. <laughs> Yep, are there any eggs in the passage? <laughs> Example. P stands for prayer or priority. Is there a prayer there for me to pray? And the Bible is filled with magnificent prayers. Not just the book of Psalms, but all the way through the Old Testament and all of the letters will contain apostolic prayers and it's worth looking at those and learning those and even praying them back to the Father and letting them model your prayer life. E, the second E stands for error. Is there a... a an error here for me to be aware of and to avoid a truth. T stands for truth. So it's, is there a truth here about God or a truth about theological truth or about people or Jesus or any topic? 
And the S they cheat on, it stands for specific thanks. So prayer, error, truth, and then thanks. TT, yeah, space pet. Probably doesn't sound as good. Let me share with this with you in 90 seconds. There was a church in uh, Los Angeles called Church on Brady, and they had an incredible amount of non-churched people coming to church, hundreds of people coming to church, who <clears throat> were either brand new Christians or they weren't Christians yet, and they, were, they wanted them to get into small groups, Bible study groups. And so this church, the leadership of the church, developed six questions which anybody can use and anybody can respond to in a group. You've been to Bible study groups or connect groups or whatever, and, and sometimes you either feel, I don't fit in, or I, feel I don't want to say anything, or I can't want to ask a question. If you feel like that, these questions are written for someone like you. And I've given these out, and I keep repeating them. I was so impressed when I learnt this. Here are the six questions. Number one, when you read a passage, you know, a paragraph or a parable or part of a chapter or whatever, you read a passage in a group, but even for yourself. <clears throat> Number one, what don't I understand? What, errors, what is there in this passage I do not understand? And often there'll be something. Number two, what did I learn about God from this passage? What did I learn about Jesus or what did I learn about the Holy Spirit? What did I learn about God? And anybody, everybody can answer that question. Number three, what did I like? When I read the passage, what did I like? What stood out for me? What did I enjoy? Oh, I liked that. Or I liked the way that was said or whatever the concept was. Number four, what didn't I like? What's in the passage that sort of irritated you or you don't like it? That sort of confronts you or convicts you? What didn't you like? Number five, did anything stand out for you? Did anything pop off the page? Was something grab you? And number six, lastly, what one verse in this passage or what one thing out of this passage am I going to do this week? What am I going to do? They're great questions to involve people, any sorts of people who are interested in reading the Bible. What don't I understand? What, is, what do I see and hear about God, teaching me about God? What do I like? What didn't I like? Um, what stood out for me? And what verse, what concept am I going to take with me? So I commend that to you. Let me finish off with some application. There are probably more than this, but I <coughs> uh, collated these five issues when it comes to application that we need to be aware of, to be alert to. Number one that we substitute reading our Bible and doing observation and an interpretation, and that we substitute that for application, that we stop there. If that's all you do, then what you're going to do is increase your knowledge, but not transform your life. Because transformation of life comes through application, through the doing of what God's word says. That's the first danger. Oh, sorry. That's the first one, just gathering information and not applying. Number two, substituting a one-time, a one-off obedience that you have applied it and you've done it, but you did it once, and you substitute that for substantial change of 
as James says, to continue in doing it. <clears throat> we need to be aware of and alert to that. We need to be aware of our own sinful laziness. Effort is required to apply the scriptures. We have to be determined to apply it. You've got to go through this thinking process, and that can take time. There are passages I've read in the Bible where the application is not immediately obvious. And I've written down questions, and for some of those, I'm still trying to work them out. I'm still trying to get to the, what does this mean? But often, over time, you'll get answers, whether it's through commentaries or through it's talking with another person, or you'll be reading another passage of Scripture which will throw light upon that. But it takes time, and so our own sinful laziness can short-circuit the process for us. We're involved in a spiritual warfare, as number four. Satan opposes us reading the Bible. But if you're determined to read the Bible, then Satan will go, okay, read the Bible, just don't understand it. And if you start to observe it and interpret it and your understanding it begins, he'll say, oh, well, all right, we'll understand it, but just don't do it. He tries to stop you at each point as you're going along. We need to be aware that we're involved in this spiritual warfare. Um, and so we need to be aware of it and to fight against it. Number five is our own selfishness. <clears throat> I'm not sure what other word to use for this, but I was thinking about some of us read the Bible just when I feel like it. Like if you don't feel like reading the Bible, you don't do it. If I don't feel like applying it, then I won't. <clears throat> what we need to do is be aware of this self-orientated thing and we need to be far more determined to be submissive to Jesus as our Lord and to develop the daily routine, daily routine of seeking his face, of reading his word, of reading it, thinking about it, and then doing it, implementing it in our life. One of the best ways to do that is to write it down. That's what I do. That's what I find the most helpful. Other people might find it other, other ways. Like I said, I have my journal, and I check back in a month. And sometimes <clears throat> it takes effort. You've got to break the passage down. Let's do an example, and I'm nearly finished. John 14, 21 says... He who has my commands and keeps them, passage I quoted before, he is the one who loves me. They will be loved by my Father and by Jesus, and we will reveal ourselves to him. Jesus will reveal himself to us. He who has my commands and keeps them, he loves me, and he'll be loved by my Father, and I will come to him and reveal myself to him. Question, coming out of that verse. Do I keep Christ's commands? He who has my commands and keeps them. Do I keep his commands? Do I know his commands? I need to study the Bible. I need to study the Gospels. I need to read about Jesus. And I need to learn what his commands are. You know, that's what it's the Great Commission, the purpose of the church. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and... Teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. Teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. So, the application coming out of that could be, I need to study the Gospels and I need to learn what the Scriptures are. I need to be precise. What am I going to do? When am I going to do it? When will I begin? Okay, on Thursday nights, I'm going to take 50 minutes and I'm going to start reading the Gospel of Mark. Because it's the shortest one. And I'm going to read it with a purpose to finding what Jesus' commands are. And I'm going to write them down. 
then I'm going to do Mark and Luke and John. When I've done that, then I'm going to collate them all. I'm developing a plan of how I am going to fulfill this requirement of Scripture. And then I'll list them, then I'll read through those one at a time, and then I'll see, am I doing this? Let's pick one command, and then we'll draw this close. In John 15, 12, <clears throat> Jesus says, uh, the command, I command you to love one another. Command you to love one another. <clears throat> if my response to that is, okay, I need to love people more, that's not an application. That's an observation. An application would be, I need to identify if there are any people I am not loving. I need to identify what is there about me that is not loving in my actions towards others. And then I need to identify ways that I can be loving towards those people, and then I need to put it into practice. Just making the general statement, I need to be more loving to people, is not helpful. It needs to be practical, it needs to be precise, it needs to have some legs to it that you can evaluate, am I doing this? You see, it takes time, it takes effort. Personal, precise, practical, and progressive. You'll be so impressed with this as my last point. <clears throat> Particularly if I, you'll be impressed if I can work this. Josh, can you? There, thank you. Excuse me. Um, we talk about all of the time, we need to read our Bible every day and we need to pray every day. So chat. Chat reminds me that I need to have a conversation with God. Now if you read it backwards, T-A-H-C, that will remind you about applying scripture. There's an old saying that talks about sowing and reaping. The T stands for thought. Sow a thought, you'll reap an action. Sow an action, you'll reap a habit. Sow a habit, you'll reap a character. That's the goal, that our character becomes like the Lord Jesus, Romans 8.29. So thought, action, habit, character. Thinking, action, what am I going to do? Habit, continuing to do it, will be transformational in my character as I obey God's words. I hope that's helpful. Um, and if you have any questions or any other suggestions, I'll leave you in Pastor David and Pastor Charlie's capable hands. Let's pray.